Hey, would you like us to read a story of your choosing? Well, you're in luck. Head on over to superhumanregistrationpodcast.com and fill out the web form at the Contact Us link. If you submit a story there that is available to read on Marvel Unlimited, we will consider it for a future episode of the show. The world's not as simple as it used to be. It's not enough to be a good guy anymore. We have to be the best. The time has come. All will be accounted for. Or we will hunt them. Stand up. It's time to be the heroes we were always meant to be. We should take bets on what Aldo ordered. Aldo ordered... I mean, it sounds like it came from... It's got a paper bag, so I'm guessing it is some sort of, like, uh... Hello. We're trying to guess what you ordered. My guess is Thai food, because I think that... That I just that sounds really good to me right now. <laughs> Steven, your guess? Um, like here's the thing. It kind of sounds like a uh, fast food thing. So, but like I don't think you would order a burger and have it delivered. That's exactly what I did. You ordered a burger and had it delivered. <laughs> That's exactly what I did. All right. Is it at least My... like a, port, a Portland hipster burger that's really cool? Oh, no. Not in the least. Oh, no. Did you What's take the adv- most basic I could do? Did you do? take advantage of Uber Eats? Did you get Eats McDonald's? And you got McDonald's. Oh, yeah. oh. McDonald's has a, has a get a Big Mac for one cent right now. Seriously? Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's like a promotion or something for like an awareness campaign or something? Uh, it just told me I could win a million dollars if I bought a Big Mac for one cent. And so you're like, score? Yeah, and at that point, it's like, I don't even need a million dollars. I got a Big Mac for a penny. Jeez. <laughs> it's hard to argue with that, actually. Now I'm hungry. And I already <laughs> made dinner. I hate um, when, like, you, you make dinner and then you regret it afterwards. Like, you, you come across a better meal. That yeah. happens sometimes. That's a little disappointing. Should we record this podcast? I suppose we should. <laughs> uh, welcome, everybody, to the Superhuman Registration Podcast. We are here to talk about some Marvel comics, and we're very excited to spend our evening slash day with you. I am Steven, and I've got John and Aldo on the line with me. John, how you doing tonight? Great. How you doing? I'm good. Aldo, how's that hamburger treating you? It's tasty. Good. <laughs> <laughs> I'm actually uh, only on the fries. You gotta Ooh, eat those before they get fries cold. first. Oh, that's that's a good move. That's a good move. See, I, I like to end with the fries because the fries burgers are almost never as good as I want them to be. Fries usually are. The problem is, like you say, cold fries no good. No burger. There's too many variables. The problem is if you eat the fries second, really what you're doing is you're filling in all the nukes and crannies that are left over by the bigger burger. So then, like, you're just overstuffed. Mm. It's like sand. When you have like a jar full of rocks and you pour sand in, that's the fries. I'm sitting here waiting for the pun. Like, I'm just assuming <laughs> that a pun is coming. No, there's no pun. It's just science, Steven. Okay. <laughs> I'm a man of culture sometimes. Eating uh-huh. his Big Mac for a penny. Well, speaking of culture, why don't we why don't we start by talking about some, some good old comics? Huzzah! John, you want to go first? Or Please. Do you want me to go first? I would love to. Okay, because John. of all of the of all the wild characters that we've read, the most out there sounding and coolest to me has been this one, Moon Girl and Devil Dinosaur. Um, this is the twenty uh, sixteen. Did we say? I think so. It's it's 
I mean, there's only the one volume. I guess it started in 2015. Okay. Well, we read Moon Girl and Devil Dinosaur 1 through 6. There's also, I think there's also a 2019 series that got restarted. Oh, that's possible. I don't think that's in the app yet. I think it was in the listing. It's probably not. I think that was the most recent thing. Yeah. Well, anyway, this one is, uh, writers are Brandon Montclair and Amy Reader. Artist is Natasha. I don't know why it's Natasha and not Natasha. I've never run into Natasha before. Bustos. Um, Colorist I wanted to shout out because I really like their work. Tamara Bonvillian. um, Bonvillian. And VCs Trevor Lanham did the letters. Um, very cool art, but the storyline is uh, Lunella Lafayette, um, who was teased by kids in her class and called Moon Girl. Uh, it was kind of an oddball at school and is convinced that she's going to be transformed into an inhuman by the Terrigen Mists and is really worried about that and is up to her own research and up to her own uh, science at the expense of paying attention in class, doing what her parents tell her to do. And she comes across a, um, a device, uh, an omni-wave projector, that I don't think it ever says it, but she's convinced it's going to help her with the uh, inhuman gene and, and um, overcoming that. Uh, this device opens a portal through time, and some cavemen and a dinosaur come out of it. Uh, it is an artifact that they had been using for a, a dark ritual, these uh, killer folk, as they call themselves, um, they quickly integrate and become a street gang. Um, slowly, but 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 not slowly. Sorry, quickly, um, but not necessarily grammatically correctly. Uh, learning you know, modern English and trying to get this omniwave projector back. She's um, hoping that it will help her. Like I said, keep from being an inhuman. And um, along the way, Devil Dinosaur, who is uh, the killer folk are afraid of, um, befriends her and kind of is the puppy who followed her home, only it's an enormous red dinosaur with uh, fiery eyes um, that uh, is tough enough to go toe-to-toe with the Hulk. So there you go. Um, The series, uh, at one point the Hulk does show up. It's the totally awesome Hulk, which uh, one of you guys might have read. I haven't read yet, but it seems like he's a more stable hulk kind of a more cocky younger dude it felt like i don't know what you would call like a like a i don't know teenage super genius stable but yeah well i mean he can it's not it doesn't seem to be like hulk smash it more seems to be like i'm the hulk i'm here to smash oh you don't need smashing okay see ya. i'm gonna be banner again but um <laughs> it ends with um lunella and devil dinosaur overcoming these killer folk um her coming to a kind of a better status quo with her parents and rescuing her mom from these street toughs and saying, look, this is, I'm moon girl. I can do this and you need to get off my back and just let me be. And I'm, I'm going to, I can take care of this. And, uh, yeah, no, I mean, spoiler alert, but you should read this anyway. And knowing that it's going to happen because you know, it's going to happen, but the Terrigen mists that she has avoided and that she's been afraid of do get her. And she, Ends this this uh, issue six in a cocoon, and I can hear Stephen like <gasps> like wanting to jump in. So let's get into it. Go, Stephen. What do you have to say about this terrific six run arc that I loved? And please don't crap on it because I thought it was fun, fun, fun. Even though it was an origin story that was not surprising or all that original, except for the fact that it's a dinosaur and a little girl. <laughs> uh, I I have a lot to say, and uh... no. In general, I like I do I do like the story, but I want to give a little bit of background first of all. Please. So, 
Devil Dinosaur is an established Marvel Comics character. By Jack Kirby. By Jack Kirby. Uh, comes from a 1978 miniseries, which I've read some of. I don't think I've read the whole thing. Um, it's not my favorite Jack Kirby, uh, honestly. It's, it's kind of interesting, but it's like caveman stories. So Moon Boy is... We actually see Moon Boy at the beginning of the story. He's a yep. caveman. He's got some sort of weird connection with Devil Dinosaur where they ride around and they fight aliens and all sorts of weird Kirby stuff. Brilliant art. It's a very pretty book, but just, you know, most everything Jack Kirby did was pretty on some level, uh, except for the first issue of X-Men. That book's actually really bad. Um, Which is a shame, because yeah. you, you want it to be... Yeah, anyway. Yeah, so anyway, the the Jack Kirby connection is the reason I picked this up to begin with, and I I quite like it. Um, the other thing that I wanted to talk about actually is is the Hulk, and we can get into the story and the character of Luna and Devil Dinosaur and the Killer Hulk and all that. But I got to talk about this Hulk. This is actually the second time that we've seen the totally awesome Hulk. Oh, really? Yeah, he showed up in Domino too. That's the so Hulk we the, got. Was totally awesome Hulk. Okay. Yep. Totally. I mean, he says so. He even drops. I'm the Hulk. I'm totally awesome. Oh yeah. And one of his word balloons. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I remember now. Which. I mean, this is a book that is more, I think, than anything we've read since A-Babies versus X-Babies. This is a book for children. Like, it's obviously geared towards much younger audiences than us. Yeah, I, did, I read it to my three-year-old. Yeah. <laughs> and so that, that name-dropping where you're, like, name-dropping the different brands, it's cheesy, but I kind of can get behind it in a children's book in a way that I didn't love as much when Loki did it during the the Thor story that we read. But anyway, so Totally Awesome Hulk is Amadeus Cho. Uh, He is the seventh smartest man in the world. Uh, He found that out by winning, like, a a radio contest. So, I mean, just roll with it. But he's incredibly intelligent, was a Hulk sidekick for a little bit, then started palling around with the incredible Hercules. And then at some point he got Hulk powers. And so every time he shows up and he's the Hulk, it's super weird to me because I really like Amadeus Cho pre-Hulk. We'll talk more about him a bit later. Uh, but beyond that, like, I feel like you don't really need to know all of that going into the story to, to appreciate it. Because this is, they don't, the fact that Devil Dinosaur existed in the 70s, all, like, doesn't matter. He just shows up here and it's fine. Um, the thing is, like, I feel like we're really thrown in in media res. Like, we, we call this the origin story, but Luna already has an underground lair where she's been building a bunch of gadgets and stuff. True. She already seems to have some sort of, like, rapport with Devil Dinosaur that's not really explained. Like, how does that develop? And and so it's interesting because it's a fun story, but I, it's, I think it's almost a misnomer to call it an origin because I don't think we've really seen the origin of this character because she already kind of seemed to exist. It's kind of as much as an origin story as Spider-Man Homecoming was an origin story. Yeah. Which I'm fine yep. with. I, I think we see too many origin I, stories. I think, the, yeah. I think the only thing I, I would have liked a little bit more would have been an explanation to how she got the nickname Moon Girl. Because she just... Her name is Lunella. Oh, it's it's Lunella. And it's like when the guy calls her Moon Girl, she's wearing a t-shirt with a moon on I, yeah. Okay, I get that. But I don't think children are smart enough to make the connection between Lunella and Moon Girl. Neither am I. I got that connection on, I think, my third read-through. <laughs> I got that connection because second language. Her full name. That's not her full name either, is it, Stephen? 
It's what do you mean? Lu- her full name is Lunella Lafayette. I guess, yes. Are you are you wanting me to, to make a Hamilton reference in here? Oh, that's right. I, I, appreci- I, I just thought you would appreciate it. Lafayette, I'm taking the swords by the rain, making red coats right over the blood stains. Lafayette. Best song in the whole show. Correct. Uh, you know, I almost thought that Lafayette, I, this, this is how hung up I was on the whole Moon Girl moniker. I legitimately was thinking that Lafayette was was something French for Moon related. It's oh. not. <laughs> <laughs> in case you were wondering, it's not. No, it's good I, to know. Yeah, I grew up in Indiana. West Lafayette's where Purdue University is, and so that's what it meant to me until Hamilton. So mm. there you go. <laughs> so John, you mentioned the colors in this book. Love them. They're, they're bright so and vibrant, good. and they're so good, and it's it's like even like you know because I did uh, some of this I did like the smart panel for, and so you get like closer up views of kind of background shots that, you know, sometimes in comics are like are just kind of throwaway, you know. But I still think that everything got its due, you know, like things that are just kind of in the background or like not quite as detailed as some of the great great character work still is. Uh, colored well and is vibrant and so um it i don't know it made it made it that much better you know that we have this oddball story but also like really good looking you know um colors and the um just like the background colors as well i'm looking like when the the hulk is there and there's some great like gradients and stuff i i think not necessarily related to colors but just kind of overall artistic vision slash design um there's some really good character uh poses and movement in this book um and i really think particularly do issue two where you have a lot of non-verbal kind of going on with with the killer folk as they're examining new york and then with like the dinosaur as he's doing his stuff once he calms down um i really like the panels like the pages where uh he's lost moon girl and he's just kind of looking around for her like a lost little dog it's adorable yeah i also really like in that same issue page 12 uh, well, I guess it's like 10 through 12. The killer folk are watching the people walk up to the newsstand. Oh, yeah. And they, le- they learn how to tell people that they're robbing them as a result. Yes. Yeah. Great storytelling where it's like, they just, yeah. <laughs> I just love it. Like this last panel on, on page 13, we see like the people who are getting robbed by the killer folk, like their ties and glasses and stuff are, are disappearing. And the killer folk are saying, give me, I'll take... <laughs> Just like everybody was saying when they go up to the the newsstand. It's a great little touch that I really, really like. And then on page 14, when they come out from the subway, and they're like, oh my gosh, one of them's wearing a purse on his head. I love that one of them is wearing the headphones behind his ears. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. This is just like... Oh my gosh, one of them... Sorry, one of them's wearing a watch, like an armband. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. This is the silliest, silliest antagonist group to have and i love it yeah you you think with a name like killer folk they'd be very very serious they're not they're great they they're trying to be but yeah just you know ridiculous as uh, people out of time here so yeah it's interesting so like we we talk about art house style a lot <laughs> i actually think this is kind of like i've actually been thinking about this a lot recently currently our number one story is uh, you know, Ms. Marvel, no normal. And I feel like there has been a very deliberate attempt to recreate Ms. Marvel 
over and over and over again. It was just a great origin story, and so why wouldn't you want why wouldn't you want that to be your formula going forward? Yeah, and I kind of feel like this book is doing that. Like it, it's trying that, to yeah yeah it's trying to mimic the the Ms. Marvel origin story uh, up to and including like the issue six costume well i guess it's an issue five where she suits up with her costume which yeah. is hilarious yeah her costume's ridiculous and i love it well it's, uh, it's got... what a kid would put together if they thought about like what they could be do to be a superhero you know like i oh, love 100%. it 100 yeah. up into like the spring-loaded boxing gloves heck yeah have you seen the goonies you know that's a that's a legit <laughs> like kid invention I love Moon Girl's goofy gadgets. Like, I, I was just flipping through issue six looking for the suit-up sequence, and she's got, like, when she saves her mom from the killer folk, she's got these gadgets. Like, uh, she pulls these strings on her backpack, and it shoots out, like, hot sauce or something into the eyes of the killer folk that are grabbing her. She's got a bomb that is made up of sodas and a Simon game. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, like, all of these gadgets that are very obviously cobbled together from, like, kids' toys. Just yeah. whatever she has access I, I think to. it's great. Yep, I, I like Luna a lot as a character. Uh, I think she's really interesting. She's got this level of hubris surrounding her, but she also has a lot of, like, obstacles. And I think her misery is what helps make her likable. Because she, I think she could really easily be uh, unlikable. She's unlikable to me. Oh, I, yeah. I, I'm, I'm the unpopular <laughs> opinion. She was abrasive. Playing the role of Steven tonight will be Aldo. <laughs> no, I think that, like, that's her point. You know, that, I mean, that, that shouldn't make you like it, I guess. But, you know, she's she's not going to be distracted or turn, you know, like her parents ground her and ground her and ground her. And she's just like, yeah, yeah, well, I'm going to go. So, you know, do whatever you want. I don't care. I gotta, I gotta, I got this problem. I gotta solve it. So I don't know. I liked the tenacity. Yeah. <laughs> but can totally understand how one would find it obnoxious. I didn't know that you were her parents. Hey, listen, as somebody, as somebody who is not particularly fond of children, like in general, <laughs> uh, this character is not up my alley <laughs> oh man we gotta find more kid books to read <laughs> oh can we do a, like a Franklin Richard story next Steven next up just for, just for Aldo uh. <laughs> I was gonna say we already won him over on, on Runaways but they're like they're angsty okay, I can see angst is something I can relate to <laughs> power pack it is <laughs> so I'm, I'm actually gonna admit because i've read multiple moon girl arcs uh before previous to the podcast uh, i'm gonna admit that i've like some of what i like about the character is stuff that isn't really explored in this but only hinted at hmm. page one of issue one we get you know mom calling in to lunella to wake her up and we get this one panel off to the side that shows that uh, Lunella has been rejected by the Future Foundation. Yeah. And uh, presumably she's been rejected by other organizations as well. Like, I don't know what any of them are, but you can see them on the board. The Future Foundation, you should know what that is. Yeah. It's, if you don't know, because it's, it's a relatively new comic. This was an organization put together by Reed Richards that has a lot of, like, really smart children, including members of the Power Pack and Franklin, uh, and... They are 
trying to, like, brainstorm ideas to save the world and stuff. And so one of the things that Lunella deals with is she's a very, very intelligent person who can't get the opportunities that she needs to really flourish, and that frustrates her. And com- she can't communicate with the people around her why she is the way that she is, I think. Yeah, and I find that pretty, like... I don't, I don't know that relatable is the right word, uh, because I've never really experienced the same sort of dearth of opportunity that she has, but I think that little element of her character makes it so that she doesn't grate on me the way that she might otherwise but like i say that isn't really explored in this and i'm not sure if i had point if i had not pointed out that that uh panel would you guys have remembered it no yeah i i mean i i noticed it when i when i saw it i like when i when i read it the first time i read it yesterday and i did not even know that existed yeah like it's it's not really in focus very much it's very much like implied but the things that imply lunella's frustration are her vocalizing her frustration and so that can get grating i get it and i I don't think all those although you are entitled to the opinion that you just voiced and it's a good thing that we said that you are because if we didn't say it (laughs) well i would have just had to stop opinionating then no, we, we only hear your opinion as long as it's the same as ours, that's all. Yeah, your opinion's correct as long as it's the one that aligns. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I, I don't know. I mostly found her... I mean, she's a little... She's... Here's the thing, too. Like, she's fine as a as a character. She's fine. I get it. Um, But I think a lot of the her... Not... This is my problem I have with, like, genius characters. When they don't do things that seem very genius and i feel like i'm just constantly getting told they're smart and not necessarily shown because you would think that as a super genius she would be able to vocalize these things and i mean granted that falls on the other side of like the the super genius like i guess scale of annoying where they go from not being able to talk like a super genius to where they talk down to everybody because they're so genius right Mm-hmm. I mean, I think she can handle scientific problems. Uh, I mean, this this Cree device she's looking for literally says Cree, 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 Cree. But I mean, but does that mean I it's a Cree device? <laughs> no, I mean it is, but it's yeah. just funny to me that that's the sound effect. And, 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 anyway, but, no, I think that like it's a different skill being able to vocalize. Like people who are really charismatic and can talk in front of a crowd aren't necessarily smart i mean we have politicians that can do <laughs> yeah that. no and, and, and i get that but also it's just one of those things where like regardless of the decision i would not have been happy like mm. politics <laughs> okay that's fair um fair yeah but like i i, I don't know so that kind of gets on my nerves there's a lot of stuff that she does that i i do like like you know she is smart she does have her secret underground lair in the school um she does have all yeah. her... Very Parker Lewis can't lose style entrance through the... Oh, no, it's through yeah. the bathroom. Not I locker. like that no, she no. also has, like, all these gadgets that are not, like, overtly super genius because she doesn't have access to, like, the tools or equipment to create, like, Parker-level or, or Reed Richards-level, you know, machines. But she yeah. was able to bust through a... What, what was the cage? For, it was, like, pin particle? Well, that wasn't pim- her. No. Yeah, that was Double Dinosaur who yeah. got through the cage. I thought that uh, she, she did motivated something. him. Now I gotta look at that. <laughs> well, there you go. She's a motivator. But yeah, so, so I don't know. Overall, I found it kind of 
I found her grating. I'm not gonna lie. <laughs> I had a hard time. I a okay. Less of a hard time than it did with Riri Williams, but still a hard time. I was gonna say, like, she there's a pretty obvious comparison to Riri Williams. Yeah, I like Moon I like Pat. Moon Girl better, but yeah, go on. Yeah, and I think part of that is the fact that Moon Girl is written for a younger audience. Like, I, I in my mind, somehow this makes a difference that because Moon Girl is designed to be uh, read more by children as opposed to the normal teenage to adult comics audience. Uh, for some reason, the character works more for me. Um, I was, oh, also, I was going to say, Aldo, do you have, like, a devil dinosaur there who is sad and uh, wants to get in? Yes, they're uh, they're hanging out right now under the microphone. <laughs> uh, this is my roommate's dog, Lily. She's adorable, <laughs> but she, uh, she, she likes attention. <laughs> I, I mean, my, my, most of my grading really comes down to, 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 uh, Lunette. Lunella. See, I want to keep calling her like Lunea, because that's like the name from Final Fantasy XV, but it's not the same person. Anyways, Lunella, <laughs> or I just call her Moon Girl. Moon Girl. Uh, see, I, I just kind of like her dialogue is probably what bugs me the most. And it's probably a result of me feeling the same frustration that she has, that she's not able to communicate herself. Um, specifically, I think it kind of reaches a point when she's talking to, to Amadeus Cho. Um, because he is, you know, he is young. He's a kid, or I guess a teen, um, close to her yeah. age. And there he is kind of looking down and, and treating her like, like a child. Parentheses, she is a child. Um, but you know, that, that inability to like, one, kind of explain yourself to, to, to adults. And then when you find somebody who's like closer to you and still unable to like be on the same level as them is, mm-hmm. is yeah that's frustrating um and i think in part that's probably what part of what frustrates me is the fact that she can't do that but uh, i mean i still don't sympathize um, <laughs> i mean there's there's interesting stuff for the character to be sure and i do like that at the end of the of the series she does kind of break out and she's able to to verbalize and, and demonstrate that she is you know capable um and I think that's, you know, I've, it's a really good note to end that on. I know we always talk about how a lot of comics don't have an end because they're, you know, a, one chapter of a much bigger story that can span 30 to 50 to 70 years. And we, a lot of, you know, a lot of the books we've talked about, we've talked about the emotional journey that a character takes in an arc. And I think she has a decent emotional mm-hmm. arc in this book. Yeah. That's true. So as, as, yeah. as much yeah. as I may grieve about it, really my grievances are are really a personal taste. I don't think I could say she's objectively badly written. I think just personally, I'm not happy with it. But I think... So we have we have found your Mary Jane Love Spider-Man yeah. comic. You know, <laughs> comics aimed at small children. <laughs> but this... yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know where I'm going with this. I'm rambling. Well, no, I think you made a, a coherent point there. Yeah. You don't like the character, but you actually like the writing. Yes, I do. I I am. I do like the story that was told. I do like that it's written, how it's written. Um, and I mentioned before the podcast that I'm not particularly fond of like super genius characters. Um, I said they're kind of meh mm-hmm. because a lot of them kind of tend to follow similar story arcs. Yeah, and a lot of them, even even uh, Moon Girl here, kind of suffers from like a similar 
origin arc where they're like, I'm too smart and nobody understands me. And it's not until I have a chance to prove myself that everybody will understand me because only I can do this because I'm the genius one. Yeah. I think the the element that helps me with this, because I actually agree, and I, fr- I think, frankly, um, Marvel has too many genius characters. Yeah, it doesn't feel that special. <laughs> it, yeah, and even, like, it's gotten worse, because in addition to your your Hank Pym's and your Reed Richards's and your Tony Stark's and your Amadeus Cho's, now you've also got Moon Girl and the Wasp and Ironheart, and I feel like there's another one in there that I'm missing, but, like, they've... Wait, is... Is the wasp a genius level? The wasp? The wasp is a genius? The, the new wasp. There's a new the wasp? The unstoppable wasp. Yes, uh, there is a new wasp who's not Janet Van Dyne. Who is it? I don't remember her name. She's a, she's a product of oh. the Red Room, just like of uh, Black Widow. <laughs> oh. um, and she's like a clone of Hank Pym or something. Oh. But anyway, like... Like X-23? Like that kind of same kind of idea? Yeah, that same kind of idea. <laughs> Or no, not maybe. Maybe she's like biologically his daughter or something. <laughs> like they took his DNA and uh, no, it's it's a little sketch. Are not gonna sh- lie, it's not Cassie Lang. <laughs> We're not just. Uh... No, it's not just Cassie Lang. <laughs> she's Russian. Oh, hold on a second. Hello. He he had to take the dog. Okay, out. I didn't know if like we lost. I lost. No, somebody's knocking at the door, and the dogs went ham. <laughs> somebody's knocking at the door. I, we really good. did switch places. You're the singy guy today, and I'm and I'm the, the old curmudgeon. Brittany sings like constantly, and I think I'm picking it up from her. Uh, but anyway, so like I think the thing that helps with Lunella to make her at least a little bit more distinct from all of these other genius characters and give her slightly different conflict than what the other characters have is it her is... psychic connection to a giant dinosaur from the past. <laughs> Yes, that's exactly it. The dinosaur. For one thing, I'm not generally a fan of the trope where you take an animal that is not a dog and you give them dog-like characteristics. See the horse from Tangled. Yeah, that was real. It was really bad. That was a straight-up dog. I, there's a lot I don't like from Tangled. Oh wait, I was thinking of Frozen. I was thinking of Josh Gad. Frozen's garbage. Whoa. Tangled and Moana. Are Whoa, where it's at. calm down. You heard me. Uh, I said it. And welcome I to it. the last episode Let it go. of the podcast. Let it go. <laughs> all uh, but like, so the fact that Lunella is trying to solve all of these problems with finesse and strategy, and she has to learn to cope with this giant rampaging dinosaur who you know, has some of the characteristics of a dog. He, he is loyal to her and he's very, very expressive, like a dog. And he, like, he does, he has a lot of little dog mannerisms. But at the end of the day, he is still a giant dinosaur who breaks things if he gets too excited. And so that that sort of contrast between her trying to be very calculated and smart and, you know, controlling, which is honestly uh, part of what makes her a bit insufferable, I imagine. And having to cope with this giant dinosaur who's not following the plan, yeah. who's not paying along. He's the, just trying to help. The biggest bull in the yeah. China shop. Oh, actually, I know I know we're not supposed to read past it or talk or, or kind of talk about, about it. But, Stephen, you've read past the initial six issues. I have. John, have you? No, I have not. Oh, never mind. I won't talk about it then. I was going to talk about some spoilers about what happens after. Because the, the little ending of her in the, in the Terrigen cocoon... Had me real interested to find out what her powers would be. Yeah. And I love it. Um, but since well, you're... I, 
I appreciate that because I'm going to like, you know, read it as soon as possible. I just had to move on once I finished, you know, the assigned reading. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you should, you should definitely give it a, a shot because I, no, I'm, I like, yeah, it. this yeah. is one, this is one where I'm like a convert now. So, yeah. Yeah. I think it's quite good. And yeah, I agree. Although her, it's funny because I kind of assume going in that her power is going to be a psychic connection with the dinosaur. And uh, it's not exactly. No, yeah, right. And I mean, and granted, I said psychic connection. That's I That was for a lack of a better word. Because that's not, it's right. not actually what they have. It doesn't seem, no, no. It, it seems to be more like a spiritual connection. Like she just seems to be able to, or he just seems to be, understand her in a way. Devil Dinosaur um, is an excellent judge of character. He's sure. A person. <laughs> well, I think you have a problem with a second P and people person. Wait, people. Third P. <laughs> uh, is there anything else we want to say about this book? Uh, no, it's a lot of fun. And, and it, you know, it's just so weird, but. It's not a bad book. I just annoying. hate children. <laughs> And I won't tell you about my children, my, my twin boys rolling over, you <laughs> dirtbag, you. <laughs> I will I will say one more thing about this book. Yeah. And, well, I guess two okay. more things. One, I like the logo a lot. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And the other is cover to issue number one is so, so good. Yeah. It's not entirely, like, in character for Lunella, at least not at this point in her story. She's not going to show affection to this giant dinosaur who's more of a nuisance to her than a friend. Uh, but it's it's such an interesting visual. Like, I remember when this book was announced and seeing this cover and being like, well, I, I gotta read that. Yeah. Instantly intriguing. Yeah. Young girl teaming up with giant dinosaur is not that different from, like, young girl teaming up with a uh, curmudgeonly old man who needs to learn how to relate to people through the magic of raising a daughter. There you go. <laughs> You know, I've been trying at all podcasts to figure out how to insert that joke in there. It's this close to being my jam. It's not because she's actually raising devil dinosaur yeah. rather than him raising her. But it, it's close. There you go. You know what I want? If we're talking about that formula of like old person that has to like, or not old, middle-aged, like adult man who has to raise a child that's not his necessarily. Cable and yeah. Hope? No, I want a Hulk story Ooh, about that. interesting. Where he's trying to raise his child, but constantly has to fight with his, you know, his hulkiness. Anyways, yeah, pay me those, money, Marvel. Those middle of the night, those middle of the night feedings. If you know he couldn't control his rage, yeah, the headline would be uh, Hulk in jail after throwing baby into sun. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, gonna, I'm gonna work on my pitch and mail it to Marvel Hulk, this Hulk, week. Hulk skips baby from San Francisco <laughs> to Beijing across the surface of the Pacific. <laughs> It just wouldn't stop okay. crying, and it peed on me twice. I just needed some sleep. Now I just want a, like a, a mini comic of the Hulk reading children's stories. Mm. Oh, good night, moon. Good night, room. Good night, cow jumping over the moon. Children's stories are already written like Hulk speak. One yeah, that's fish, two fish, got... red fish, Hulk smash! The sun did not shine, it was too wet to play. So we sat in the house all that cold, cold, wet day. I sat there with Sally. We sat there with two. And I said, how oh, I wish we had something to do. Too wet to go out. Too cold to play ball. We could do nothing at all. Nothing at all. We said it. all we could do was to sit, 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 sit. And we did not like it. Not one little bit. And then we heard a bump. That bump made us jump. We looked and we saw him. Sit bit on the mat. We looked and we saw him. The cat in the hat. 
And he said, you really have why do you oh, dude, I have three kids. <laughs> <laughs> I can do sneeches well, start to finish. I start to lose Cat in the Hat about the third time he uh, falls down with the rake and the cake and the ball and the <laughs> cup and the, yeah. I, I think we need to move on before we inadvertently release an audiobook of the Cat in the Hat. Um, <laughs> so, let's talk about She-Hulk. Yeah. What I believe it's pronounced Shulk. It's pronounced Shulk. That's mm. no Shulk is from Xenogears. Are you feeling oh, it man, now? Man, you outnerded me! Dang it! I'm really feeling it. <laughs> that's that's Shulk's stupid catchphrase. Oh my god! I'm really feeling it. <laughs> Never actually played Xenogears. Does he say that in Smash? All the time. Oh well, I must be playing with the sound off. I'm something. really feeling it. Uh, <laughs> so. She-Hulk, uh, this is She-Hulk 2014, issues 8, 9, and 10. A bit of a, a shorter story for us. The, the premise of the story here, She-Hulk is, she's set up a, a new firm. She's got this mysterious assistant with a monkey who's helping her. And there's this weird blue file that's supposed to have some sort of, of sinister uh, connection to her. Like, it, it's some sort of unknown thing from her past, and she doesn't understand what that's about. But she has to put all that to the side for now because Captain America has come to her and asked her for help. Now, at this point in Captain America's history, he has been aged up and lost the super soldier serum. So he is an old man. He looks as old as he actually is. Uh, he's still like relatively healthy for a, a 90-year-old man, but he's walking around with a cane and he is not currently actually Captain America. So, I, uh, yeah, this is actually in the middle of, of Falcon. I was going to ask. So I think I should I should just call him Steve Rogers. So Rogers comes up to, to She-Hulk and says, Hey, I need your help because I am being sued for wrongful death uh, from an incident when I was a teenager before I signed up for uh, Project Rebirth and became Captain America. And I need your help to beat these charges fair and square. Because if we get off on a technicality or some sort of loophole or anything like that, the rumors will get out that Captain America was a murderer, and we can't have that. Uh, so the trial is in California. So She-Hulk says, "Well, I I can I'm not really licensed to practice in California, but I can contact this other law firm that I know that operates out of California, and they can let me practice there, like use their their uh, certification to get into the courts." So she calls Matt Murdock, Daredevil, who turns her down because he is actually prosecuting the case. Ooh. So it's She-Hulk versus Daredevil in the courtroom. A twist. And so She-Hulk gets in there using uh, certification from one of Matt Murdock's... Not Matt Murdock, excuse me. One of Jamie Madrox's dupes who, like separated years ago, this is multiple men, separated years ago, went to California, became just the sleaziest lawyer. And yeah, so it's a big showdown. Uh, Re-prosecuting, or rather prosecuting a murder case from like 70 years ago that can only be like brought up now due to some random loophole in California law involving a deathbed confession or something like that. And so, yeah, it's it's kind of an interesting story. Uh, She-Hulk represents Captain America and tries to get him off from being a murderer. <laughs> All those laughing because I said trying to get him off. I'm sorry. Great. Oh, man. Just gave us an explicit tag. <laughs> 
You can, you can, you can erase my laughter. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways. Uh, so, what did we think about about She-Hulk here? Um, I wanted to say that I uh, love the covers, and I'm not wild about the uh, interior artist. Oh, not at all. But it, but it, it works somehow. So actually, I... one question: Have you guys seen the three covers next to each other? Yeah, okay. yeah, it, it's a cool. triptych. It makes yeah. like a big image. Yeah, it's delightful. I didn't notice that until yeah. I pulled it up on like, uh, like before the podcast, and I was like, <gasps> Yeah. No, I feel like it's we've beautiful. seen Javier Polito. We before. have. Um, well, he didn't. He do the tape. Yeah, I think yeah, he did the I, tape. Don't, I don't yeah. like his art here. No, it's not. All, it's not great. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know. it feels. But I, yeah. I don't know. I think it's it. It works, but. It kind of make it feels like tonally, since it's not the highest quality, because there's a little like you know kind of tongue in cheek humor going on that it works. But yeah, I would still prefer. I, a, a I, I don't want to be a, a complete and total jerk hole, but I'm gonna be. This looks like a poor like a poor man's <laughs> uh red. Yeah, yeah. There's or a lot of John Mike Ramita, Allred in this. John Romita Jr. Uh, well, I may calm down. Same, I'm saying poor man's <laughs> not Kroger brand. <laughs> oh, uh, no, no. Polito is very much in the same like vein as Mike Allred. And although you know, I really like, I Mike, like Allred. Mike Allred. Mike Allred too, on oh, occasion. Okay, I thought this was one. Okay, I thought this was one where maybe I liked him and you didn't. I guess I misremembered, but um. I think I I agree, but there's one element that Polito gets that I really really like, and I I love the way he draws faces. Oh god, I knew you were gonna say that because I don't oh, ag- see, I, I don't agree yeah. with that at all. <laughs> That's what bothers me the most. Uh huh. Besides it all being so flat, I mean the the the, the thing is the faces are really expressive. That doesn't mean I like them. I like yeah. that they're yeah. expressive. There's a lot of emotion in them. Uh. The, the Maddox's face when they when they meet up with him in Hollywood, fantastic face. Um, hey, there, yeah, that's that's yes. exactly how you would draw that face. Um, a lot of the the courtroom close-ups, uh, or even the memory close-ups on Steve Rogers' eyes, the eyes. Are yeah, really the memories are actually really well drawn. I think compared yeah, to the rest, of but the I just the rest I just cannot like even even the. The standing portrait images on like issue ten, pages fourteen and fifteen of Daredevil and uh, She Hulk, kind of giving their final thing. I I don't like them. They just look not great. <sighs> Daredevil looks like Channing Tatum, and that's that's not who <laughs> well, I would I mean, imagine to cast as Daredevil. Hero. He's gonna be a and little. It's not gonna be Tatum, Bill. God, he looks like he's gonna star in Twenty Three Jump Street. <laughs> The one, the one thing of, about the art that, like, I can forgive a lot of the art in, in this book. Part of, it, it, part of it, again, is because I really like Polito, uh, because of his Matt Allred style. Um, and part of it is just that I don't know, my, I, I don't want to get hung up on the art too often. But there was one bit that distracted me almost every time it came up. She-Hulk's neck is so long. Yes. It's so long, and it weirds me out. You know the other thing that kind of weirds me out a lot is like the, uh, the side view of like her face. She kind of yeah. always has like an underbite. I feel like that might be appropriate for a Hulk character, actually. Maybe I don't know. Uh, I don't know. Just, uh, I don't know. No. You guys seen multiple? <laughs> no, <laughs> Dude, that's, that's the like fourth time I've been asked. That. This has nothing. This has 
this has nothing to do with anything whatsoever, but when Matt rocks, you know, the Madrix dupe, is introducing um, his duplicates, he's like, they're a copy of the copy, so they're not quite the greatest, but they could get you a latte or something. That's that's one of the things that comes up in the movie Multiplicity, that two of the clones decide they need some more help, so they make a clone of one of them, and it's it's really funny to see Michael Keaton like have a talk with a, a, a not-so-smart version of himself. He like takes a piece of pizza and, like, He's like, I like pizza, and puts it in his trifold wallet for later. It's really funny. <laughs> yeah, I, I've actually seen that bit. Actually, before we move on from the art, though, can I say though that that this there is one a couple panels in here that I actually really love quite a bit because the thing that I don't want to call it like all red style, but that's like the best thing I can come up with now. But a lot of these artists who like draw kind of flat colors and stuff like that, one of the things they're really good at typically is um silhouettes and stuff so on yeah. uh, issue nine there's a couple really good silhouettes with like matt standing in the or daredevil standing on the balcony but my favorite is like just before that with uh not black cat what's her that's name? hellcat hellcat right uh when she's doing the mission impossible thing and like it's just like that really black silhouette of her in the in the stealth suit and like the only real bit of color yeah. in that is like her hair that's some really good stuff yeah um, I also like, I like the way just flipping through the same issue. I like the way he draws like big muscly She-Hulk. Oh yeah. Again, yeah. I know when she hulks yeah, out, like when she actually hulks out so she can like chase Daredevil across the rooftops. Um, like I like that. And I like that little yeah. breakdown. Uh, it's, it's page 17 in the app. It's a double page spread in the, in the physical comic. She's chasing Daredevil across the roofs. And so there's a big picture of her and a big picture of him. But then there is a 10 panel grid behind them of the silhouettes walking, like jumping from rooftop to rooftop and people looking up and watching and she Hulk's face going from really angry to kind of enjoying it. Yeah. Well, I like that, you know, she's still a hero. She's still a superhero. Yeah. She's still, you know. Um, sometimes the paneling works. I like the how this that issue, the, the issue number nine, the second part of this this arc, yeah, ends with top half uh, Cap's face, bottom half She-Hulk's face. He said everything she said was true. And then she's just like, come on, teeth all gritted and stuff. I, I thought that was, don't like that was that. funny. <laughs> <laughs> I hate everything today. <laughs> Oh, I just stumbled across another bit of art that I really like. Uh, page 18 in issue 10. Uh, we find out that there's a... there's actually, Of course, naturally, there's a villain behind the whole thing. And the villain is... Um, darn it, who is it? Dr. Faustus. So we just found out that, that Dr. Faustus was actually behind everything. She-Hulk and Daredevil and Steve Rogers team up to attack Dr. Faustus and take him out. And there's this great little three-panel... Uh, sequence at the bottom of page 18 where old like bent over walking with a cane uh decrepit captain america walks up to dr faustus punches him out wham i love that yeah, it's just, just it's just we don't see the action we just see one panel yeah well he's standing there and then wham the second panel and third panel not yet just yeah old steve just standing over an unconscious body i like that and that's the thing is like i actually do think that uh javier Polito is a really good storyteller with comics yeah. like not not like the best in the game but he's pretty good and i think a lot of the the images that he chooses to focus on 
and the sequence of events, the way that he breaks them up by the panels, I think it's all really good. I have issues with sometimes the way he draws the individual figures in the frame. But as a whole, like, you can tell why he has a job at comics. Yes. It's because he knows say, how to tell a good story. He's consistent yeah. as well. I think, yeah, I think that, you know, whatever we say about the writers and artists we talk about, they still got work published by the biggest comic book company in the world. So it's, it's you know, we have, we have to respect that, like, yeah, maybe that maybe their art isn't the best, but it's it's good enough, apparently. So. I mean, granted, a lot of the times it comes down to personal taste. Of, of course. True, However, true. I can respect any artist who... Uh, who has a two-page sequence of a monkey miming a banana and drawing <laughs> yep. I love how they're really proud yeah. of this. They're so like, proud of that they, drawing. They are. Like, issue 9, page 11 and 14. Like, he's the, you can see the monkey miming it and, like, nobody's paying him any mind. But at the end of issue 4, or page 14, <laughs> he's sitting there. They have the banana and the clones are just standing there all super proud of themselves. <laughs> uh, hashtag mood. <laughs> Uh, so what do we think about the writing, like the story itself? You know, the whole time I kept wanting to see this on an episode of Legal Eagle. On YouTube. Yeah. I don't know if you guys watch him, but like the whole time I was, I, I kept thinking like, oh, I wonder what he would think of this. Um, I don't know anything about law. It seems solid. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, it's, it's... I was actually really tempted to run this past Brittany. Uh, my wife is a oh, lawyer. Yeah. And so I was like, gonna, I, I did not actually wind up doing it. <laughs> I kind of wonder if this argument would actually hold. Well, I mean, I don't think she practices California law yeah. or criminal prosecution. That's true. Like, that's that's actually the main difference. I think this is not her field of law. But, like, at the end of the day, like, the defense for Captain America is basically, come on, guys, it's Captain America. <laughs> yeah. There's precedent for that. <laughs> I mean, there is. He's a white guy, so. Oh. <laughs> Sorry, though, like, the, the one of the big talking points in the news recently is that case of the the woman. She was, like, a former oh, police officer. Oh, who shot the guy in her house. She, yeah, she, well, no, like, she went into the yeah, wrong the house, yeah. was confused, thought it was her house. The guy came towards her, and she shot him. And so, like, there was a big whole, like, since she's a cop, she can claim, like, the stand-your-ground defense, where she's, you know, defending herself, but she's, like... Not defending her castle. She's in somebody else's castle. She invaded there and shot a man to death. Ugh. Came out, she was still found guilty, which I think was the right call. But uh, anyway, I'm feeling a little jaded about white people <laughs> oh, right now. Man, be, be, Says the whitest person <laughs> on this podcast. Before, be, oh, thank you, Stephen, for that vote of confidence. Before we get back on topic. I'm going to go listen to some ska music now. <laughs> I can outwhite you any day. <laughs> uh, there's a bit. Have you guys? Do you guys watch Between the Two Ferns? No, I, actually, I, I haven't. Oh, so they they have a movie on Netflix now. Um, yeah, I yeah. And there's that. there's a bit in there where where Zach Galifianakis is trying to get a TV talk show, and they won't give it to him, and he's like, "I deserve this. I'm a white man. I'm straight. I deserve this." <laughs> oh, <gosh. laughs> oh, anyways. White people be cray cray. So, sorry about that. It's fine. That's a white. Like you know, grandparents are doing family history stuff, and like you know, they keep tying us back to like, oh, our line goes to Virginia and North Carolina and Tennessee, and I'm like, hmm, what years did we live there? Uh oh, and like I, we were in the South, huh? Oh Ooh. boy. Like, 
I don't know how much I want to know about uh, what my ancestors got up to uh, back in the day. So. Oh, dear. So on behalf of all white people... So, John, I see you have a new iPad. Did I tell you about what I used to get for Christmas back on the plantation? No, I don't, I don't oh, want to no. know. <laughs> hey, how, about, how about we talk about this comic book? Well, I mean, are, are well, we done talking about the story? I, we haven't really said anything about the story at all. Oh, um... <laughs> Well. I, I mean, all I said was I wanted legal legal to look at it. <laughs> you know, right. I uh, I don't know. I I like it. Um, I actually kind of appreciate. I've been watching a lot of legal legal recently. Um, there's like three things I watch on YouTube, and that's one of them. The other being Penn and Teller fool us, uh, and the other being more Penn and Teller. <laughs> um, hmm. So watching him like dissect court. To depictions of court cases and stuff on on tv and uh movies and stuff like that i actually kind of appreciated that this was like mostly a dry case um mm-hmm. uh, there weren't any real shenanigans it was just two lawyers in court uh examining witnesses uh sorry doing the cross-examination on witnesses and kind of pleading a case and then doing the final like it, it was really uh i liked it i i feel like i named drop uh, Patrick Williams videos almost every episode nowadays. Did you watch this new one today? Oh, I did, but that's okay. not what I was going to reference. <laughs> <laughs> he did a video today on the history of Kingdom Hearts and what makes Kingdom Hearts so good, and it was actually pretty great. But, um, no, he did a video a while back on the first shared cinematic universe oh, yeah. or other shared cinematic universes, but what he was actually talking about was films based on real events that explore different aspects of things that actually happened. So he brings up the moon landing where he talks about the movie first man and Apollo 13 and hidden figures. And, uh, there's another movie in there, like the right stuff, I think is what it's called and how each of these movies is very, very different, but they're exploring different aspects of like, what it's like to be in this program at this very interesting period and of time. And how sometimes accidentally his, cast the same person. Yeah, it, it was kind of weird. Um, <laughs> and so his his thesis was that this is the way that superhero movies should be. Not that just that they're tonally different, but that they are actually almost different genres. And I don't think even now, even after we've had Taika Waititi and Ryan Coogler like, putting more individualized stamps on the Marvel movies, I don't feel like we've really reached that. But I appreciate that the comics tend to tackle that pretty well. So here we have a superhero courtroom drama that is, like, I mean, it's less superheroic in some ways than even, like, Phoenix Wright. Yeah. It's just it's just kind of straightforward arguments, very bright colors, and, you know, we've got Captain America on trial, so it's it's got that sort of slant to it. Um, so I, I think it's really interesting. I like it as this sort of exploration of a very, very different type of superhero story. I wish I had more confidence that the legal argument was actually sound. But otherwise, like, all in all, I think it's a pretty fun story. You know, if this was Phoenix Wright, that monkey would have been cross-examinated. Without a doubt. <laughs> I'm hearing, like, the tension-building music as the monkey, like, sweats. As he's like pantomiming and the mad boxes are like drawing like whatever his answers are supposed to be. (laughs) Hire me, Marvel. (laughs) Missing out if you're not taking advantage of me. Keen mind of all that. My genius is wasted on this podcast.
<laughs> guys are tethering me to the earth. I want to fly. Okay. Anything else anyway. that we want to say about this book? That that banana drawing really is terrific. If you have yeah. Okay. I think that sounds like ranking time then. Ranking yeah. time. Put these comics up on the list. I lost it like halfway through. Oh no! How has that not become a thing every week? Like every time. Slow <laughs> it's ranking time. Put your I know you're going to rank Spider-Man high. I know <laughs> you are. Just those kind of guys. I'm actually pretty sure that our bottom two comics are Spider-Man comics. Because <laughs> I did it. I did it to offset the balance. <laughs> It's like the Sith, they always travel uh, in pairs. <laughs> it's interesting because I think, like, a master Spider- and an apprentice. <laughs> always two there are. <laughs> mm. So good. Screw you for getting me to quote episode one. <laughs> All right, so we got Ms. Marvel at the top, uh, the evil that men do at the bottom. And a bunch of other books in the middle. <sighs> 67 other books in the middle. Because we're at 69. Nice, it is. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, hey, mm-hmm. quick question. What are we calling these books? The The She-Hulk story is called The Good Old Days. Um, Girl and Devil Dinosaur, I don't remember what it was called. It's BFF. Okay. Okay. This is the Earth. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Please. That's like... That's like ancient YouTube uh, archive. It was the first thing I saw on YouTube. Um, yeah. Yeah, I'm pretty sure. The first thing. Okay. Round? <laughs> Fires of missiles. About that time, eh, chaps? Tired. <laughs> okay, take a nap. Okay, then have a nap. And then fires of missiles. <laughs> oh, man, good times. Friggin' kangaroos. <laughs> All right, so where do we want to rank these books? <laughs> mm, let's near, start with let's near the top. Oh my gosh, John! Like a dog with a bone, I am. <laughs> Put you down like a dog. Okay. Animal cruelty, it is. <laughs> You're disrespecting Frank Oz when you don't acknowledge a really bad imitation of his beautiful work. I I'm trying not to acknowledge it. It just makes it better, Steven. I hate so much about the things you choose to be. <laughs> just glad that just glad that Bane hasn't made an appearance yet. That's DC. Can't do anything about that. But uh Yoda, Marvel, baby. Okay, so let's rank BFF. So here's what's tricky. It's it's a pretty standard origin story. It felt a lot like Ms. Marvel, no normal, you know. But it was also done really well, I thought, you know, unlike some people. Um, so, like, I want to give it points for enjoyment, but I have to acknowledge that it, it, you know, it may not stand up as, like, ah, yes, this is this is the story of all stories, a, a excellent edition in the tome of Marvel. But yeah, I would put this above Why Stance for Freedom. But I don't think it's better than Blind Spot. Which one was Blind Spot? Oh, the Jessica Jones that we just read. Yeah. Um, I, yeah, I mean that's about right. Yeah. The only thing that's kind of giving me pause is that I kind of like it a little bit better than A Babies versus X Babies, which I think it's comparable to in some ways. But 
Um, I, I'm actually kind of okay with it going uh, between Y stands for freedom and blind spot, I think. I don't want to argue. <laughs> <laughs> I want to go to sleep. I don't want to argue. I don't want to fight. Yeah, no, yeah, yeah. There you go, Aldo. You're prepared to have a wife and children right there. I, I just, I don't want to argue. I just want to go to sleep. Just, just be quiet. No, I mean, that's fair because it's, I think it still has to prove itself. Yeah. You know? Okay, yeah. I actually feel better about that ranking. That that was exactly what I needed to hear to yeah, be like there's, fully there's, on It board. sets up a lot mm. of good stuff. Yeah. John, I'm going to punch you right in your face. <laughs> I'm going to knock out all your face holes, I swear. I sense much anger in you. You're about to sense much pain in your you. <laughs> Just the angrier you get, the more joy I get out of it. I don't know why you haven't figured that out yet. Oh, I love when I can just feel his impatience. It's like it's like when my dad would be on road trips and just get quieter and quieter, and then he just ah, just shut up back there. <laughs> just, just... <laughs> oh, so the good old days, the She-Hulk story. Yeah, what about it? Where is that one going? Uh, That's tougher. It is. Mm. I mean, it's better than the Galaxy's Best Detective as far as detective stories go. Yeah, but the art the art is way worse than Craven's Last Hunt. Oh yeah, don't I forgot about the art. You know that's kind of what kills it. Is it has a really good story. Yeah, because like the story I really like, but the art is just yeah. Acknowledging that you know the the artist has a job with I mean, Marvel and yeah, artists do not. Yeah, yeah. And I actually kind of wonder uh, whether Polito spent more time on the flashback sequences, and so the they did the seem main better. Story kind yeah. of suffered. They did. They did. Yeah. Um. So. She Hulk just has a long neck, and it doesn't work with like how with how much cleavage she's showing. It just makes it look even taller. So, well, what? Let's start with what we just read. Better or worse than Moon Girl and Devil uh, Dinosaur? I, I think the story better, the art way worse. So it's it's tricky. It's almost as hard to rock a rhyme. It's tricky to rock a rhyme, to rock a rhyme. That's right on time. That's <laughs> no, you got oh, me sure. tangenting. Oh sure, you jump on his tangent, but you just poo poo mine. <laughs> Because mine is easier to depart. Music is better than Yoda impressions. How dare you? How no. dare you? Okay, you yourself admitted that your Frank Oz impression is is lacking. So okay, I would I would also wager that it's better than yours or Aldo's. And I haven't even gotten into the Seagulls song yet. You want to do that? <laughs> no. <laughs> we, okay, so we already have like the world's longest Cat in the Hat <laughs> divergence. Oh man, I did not like that movie. Steven, I don't know why... Oh, no, not the no, movie's terrible. Steven, I don't know why you're bothered. You can edit all of this out. It'll be a silent film with just you talking about whatever you want, man. Here's I only... the thing. Editing it out, I still have to listen to it again. <laughs> oh, man. That makes it even better. That was a tone of voice that said, Hey, future Steven, screw you. <laughs> I don't. I don't know where to put this comic. I really don't either. I I really want to put it above Moon Girl because I think the story content is better. But yeah. Moon Girl also has really good art. Yeah, Fantastic Moon Girl really art. does have yeah. very good art. The coloring alone is better than 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 anything in the. Well, not the covers. The covers are pretty yeah. uh, outstanding in the She Hulk, but that's not enough to redeem the interiors. Yeah, you guys are way harder on the interiors than I am. Uh, like to me, the story I think does have more weight and in full acknowledgement of the collaborative comics process the story is more than the writing it is also the pacing it's also the draftsmanship 
True. and the blocking, and that's yeah. all on the artist. True. And so I, 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 I do think I like this better than BFF. Uh, I'm not sure how much higher it goes. Um, cause like hard ceiling for me is Rogan Gambit. I think that's you know I was thinking the exact same thing. Yeah, yeah. Does this split up the Kelly Thompson Gail Simone? Maybe not. I, I like, really like Killer Instinct. I would. I don't want to put this above Blind Spot because Blind Spot is also a pretty decent. Like, so do we just put it one above? <laughs> I mean, it wouldn't be the. I don't think it's the first time we've done that. I, I mean, that just seems to be what makes sense. It's kind of odd that we've ended up in this spot, but here we are. Yes. <laughs> okay, let's do it. Yeah. Okay. I mean, I can get behind any book where She Hulk gets Captain America off. <laughs> Stop it. <laughs> All right, so the good old days is the new number 35 dethroning the previous number 35, which was the other book we read this episode. Indeed, victory. So for our next episode of the podcast, we're having a bit of a uh, Hulk-centric couple of weeks. In addition, like we just did... Hulk-tastic. Hulk-tastic, indeed. So we just read She-Hulk. For our next episode, we are going to read uh, the first part of the Immortal Hulk run. So this is from 2018, Immortal Hulk numbers 1 through 6. Additionally, we are going to read a book that kind of spun out of a Hulk book, uh, The Incredible Hercules. We're going to read the story arc, I believe it's called Love and Monsters? No, Love and War. So this is Incredible Hercules from 2008, numbers 121 through 125 and the reason we're reading that is because i want to read pre-hulk amadeus cho again 121 through 125 121 through 125 putting a note in our chat to remind future me what i need to read and possibly you guys too but i'm less concerned about your uh, your goings on because i can't make you read so i can make future me read thank you john 